Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. The more time the junior associate spends on an issue, the more money the law firm makes. What you should do is provide as much value as you possibly can. So the clients, whether they're large or small, they do look at the bills the firm send out. So the assignments go to the people that are going to work the hardest and do the best job. This webinar today is, it's funny, I have a couple quick stories as I start it, but first one is weeks ago, I was doing this webinar and I was had it scheduled. And the day before the webinar, I was like, I or even the day of the webinar, I was like, I don't think people will be interested in hearing about law firm economics in your legal career. So I'm going to do another topic and prepare another another group of slides for me. And so when I started the other webinar, which I thought was a much more interesting topic, everyone that was on the webinar was actually very mad that I wasn't giving a presentation about law firm economics in your career. So then I went back and I rescheduled this webinar last week. And as I was doing the webinar last week, the the power failed and we had a, they were removing a, a power pole out in front of my office and that caused the power to fail. So here we are again, hopefully this webinar will go through today. The only drawback today is I do have a hard stop and I do need to catch a flight later. So I don't have a ton of time for questions, but I will definitely, assuming that everything goes okay, complete this webinar today. So this topic, I think, is very important for a number of reasons. And the most important reason that it's important is because most people don't understand that a lot of what happens to you in your career is really depends on economics. And it depends on the economics of the the law firm that you're in. It depends on the economics of the overall economy. And, and you're pretty much, your whole career is dependent upon a lot of times economic forces. And you can have a good run for a long time when the economy is running in your favor. And then you can have a bad run when it's not running in your favor. I think right now uh, is probably the most important time that you could possibly hear this webinar because of what's going on in the economy. And in brief, what's going on is companies are running out of money. That's one of the reasons that banks have been failing recently. And as as companies have been running out of money, that means they have less money for legal bills. And if they have less money for legal bills, that means that the law firms that are hiring you are going to have less money to pay you. So it's very important that you understand how economics are running your legal career. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. So this is a quote, and it says, the notion that a partner or associate must produce 2,000 or 2,400 hours of billable work yearly virtually assures that some clients will be overbilled. Of course, almost all firms have stated policies forbid unethical and illegal billing practices. The extent to which these policies are actually followed depends on the firm culture, on unspoken messages that leaders of the firm spend to its lawyers. And when money becomes the primary goal, a law firm may end up choosing to systematically inflate client bills and even to bill for expenses not actually incurred for those clients. And that's a Seth Rosner. And this, of course, was a long time ago in 1992. Any legal career is really defined by economics. And that for a lot of young attorneys and law students is a mystery for a lot of people. And the economics of where you work are going to have a lot of significance in terms of what's going to happen in your legal career. And in order for you to be successful in your career, you really do need to have a good understanding of law firm economics, both before joining your law firm and then while you're there. And you need to make economics work in your favor. And a lot of attorneys are confused by law firm economics because they don't really understand what's going on. They think that maybe the most important thing is good work. They think that that if you do, you know, that a lot of factors and law firms aren't necessarily telling their associates how the economics of their businesses work. And many don't even tell their partners. Some partners don't have a clue how the economics of the firms work. And it's actually also very rarely 
ever taught in school. And so because there's such little information, you, you really need to understand what's going on. And that's what this is about today and understand the, kind of the economics that are going on in the background. And that's today I'm going to talk about pretty much the economic model that governs large to mid-sized firms at the law clerk associate and the partner level, but this model also could work at smaller firms as well. And I'm not talking so much about things like paralegals and legal secretaries, and that's really a separate topic altogether. But I don't think this is a pleasant webinar in a lot of respects. I think maybe that's one reason I didn't do it one week, and maybe I attracted a power failure the last time I did it, because this is just, it does say a lot of negative things, I think, about the legal profession, but it also talks about topics that can't be ignored. And you're going to have a very difficult time succeeding at a high level inside of a law firm unless you understand economics and really how they work. And, and one thing I would also say about economics is that a lot of people use economics poorly and meaning they overbill people or they do things that are wrong. Other people do it correctly, meaning that they don't cheat people and they do things right. And so the, your whole use of economics, how you understand economics, how you provide value, how you build for your value is really among the most important things you can understand as an attorney. And it's going to define your success as an attorney in, in, in a law firm you work in, or it's also will define it. And if you step your own practice or however you end up working. So the first thing is the importance of billable hour to law firm economics. And you need to understand that Large to mid-sized firms are set up to be profit centers and to make as much money as possible. They make money through their arrangements with their clients and how they bill their clients and how they collect money. And there's lots of different billing arrangements. There's fixed fee, there's contingency. But in almost all cases, large to mid-sized firms prefer to bill people by the billable hour approach. And a long time ago, law firms would bill clients by what they perceived as the value of the work they were doing. The law firms might quote a fee up front, and that would be what they charged. Or the conclusion of a case, a partner in a law firm might even look how big the file was and, and how much their associate worked on it and tell their secretary something to the effect of, this feels like a $2,000 file, send them a bill for that. And there was a time when billing was not necessarily done based on the billable hour. Within the past 50 to 60 years, the transition has moved away from lawyers valuing their time the way they used to. And in the 19th and 20th century, they pretty much would just bill random standard fees based on their experience for performing a certain service, meaning this is what this costs, this is what that costs. A will might be $50 or an uncontested divorce, $200, a house closing, $100. And some clients didn't like that. And they felt that that led to price fixing and high hourly rates for some lawyers. And lawyers wanted to keep things that way. They they didn't want to have hourly rates. They wanted to, they liked the idea that they could have efficiencies many times. And lawyers eventually, because there were concerns about price fixing, agreed to hourly rates as a standard for the industry and made it seem like it was a consumer protection benefit and something that benefited attorneys. I mean, benefited the public. And, and that, again, is a quote from a book called How Lawyers Screw Their Clients. And so the law, legal landscape has really changed. And today it's based on the billable hour. And as an aside, there's actually been lots of studies that show that when they use the billable hour as a way to bill people, uh, the rates that attorneys get and how much money they collect is actually much higher than if they don't. And so most law firms these days really do rely on the billable hour. And, and I'm not sure if it's the best move. I don't think I've ever encountered a situation where an attorney was told they were billing too much or work too much on a single project. It just very rarely happens. Conversely, I've come across lots of 
cases where people have been told that they weren't billing enough time or they weren't working they weren't working hard enough and and I think a lot of decisions about who to keep and who to let go are often based more on production many times in the value of the work produced for the client and law firms I don't think ever pad their bills necessarily but I don't I'm not saying that but they they certainly won't tell you you're doing a bad job if you're billing a lot of hours people are pushed at an institutional level to bill as many hours as possible. And, and the competition really is for high billable numbers. It's it's interesting. I remember when I was working in a, for a judge, what happened with him was he used, they used to circulate something that they would review and they would see how many cases that he had on his docket and how many cases other judges had on her docket and vice versa. And so they would go back and forth and they would compare their ability to get rid of cases quickly, meaning without a lot of work or to dispose of things. And so the one that had the smallest docket was also considered doing the best job. In the legal profession, partners could get lists of hours of other partners, of others, of associates. That's a lot of times what uh, is what's a controlling factor. While they may not be pushing people to bill, pad their bills, the competition is for the numbers that you write down. And the client may like it because they're receiving an accurate bill for the hours reported by the attorneys who worked on a given matter. But is that always necessary for people to spend that much time on a given task? And that's often a different story. I can tell you that I've heard of lots of stories of uh, people getting in trouble inside of law firms for various efficiencies, meaning they've gone in and they've discovered ways that they can that the client doesn't need a lot of hours or they can do something much more quickly. And when a partner tells them to do something a certain way, and that's a way to get in trouble. You don't always know best, and but a lot of times a lot of attorneys, if you're not billing hours and you're finding ways not to bill hours, a lot of times people aren't necessarily going to like that. And what I'm trying to help you understand now is the importance of the bill hour, why high hours are necessary for a law firm to be profitable, and as well as how law firms will evaluate you based on the number of hours. And, and at each point in your legal career, the billable hour is going to take on a different type of significance for you. And, and, and so you need to understand that as well. Do you want to take back control of your legal career? We have a solution for you. Harrison Barnes, the number one legal recruiter with over 20 years of experience hosts weekly webinars followed by live Q&A sessions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. These webinars are packed with helpful information that you can use to advance your legal career. Best of all, after each webinar, Harrison stays for as long as needed in order to answer every question. Various seniority levels in a law firm, most American law firms are really set up the exact same way. They generally have law clerks, which could be people working during the school year, summer associates, or young attorneys awaiting bar results. Um, and then uh, in large law firms, a lot of times they only have summer associates. Then the law firm will often have junior attorneys, mid-level attorneys, and senior associates. And then the law firm will have attorneys that are a counsel level and the partner. And, uh, and there's also going to be different levels of partner, which are going to be income partners and equity partners, for example. And at each stage of seniority, your value and the economic expectations of, that the law firm has of you are going to change. So the first one is a law clerk. So if you're a law student or a recent graduate and working in a law firm, you're generally called a law clerk. Some law, law firms may call you an associate before you pass the bar, but generally you're a law clerk. Most organized law firms have law clerks. They're typically called summer associates in large law firms when, during the summer. Sometimes they're also hired during the year and they can make a lot of money. They could make more than 
$4,000 a week. And now you can make a lot of money in some of the larger firms. And from the law firm's perspective, the purpose of this position is really, it's allowing the law firm to do recruiting, meaning they're able to recruit people and bring them in and see how they work out. But they're also giving them the opportunity to try before you buy. And, and they typically use them for tasks which are not necessarily profitable for the law firm, but are helpful. It could be research projects. It could be work for clients on larger matters. It could be, they could be used during the summer or the school year for kind of mundane tasks that the law firm doesn't want its associates working on. But really, I believe that most law firms have an unspoken goal for their summer associates. And I basically think what they're looking for is whether or not that person seems like they're going to play the economic game inside the law firm. And it is a game and there's rules and they can usually tell fairly quickly if you're going to play the game or not. So this is a story that I tell the story. I've heard multiple versions of the story. I have my own version of the story that I was involved in, but this is a, just a call I received several years ago from a summer associate inside a large law firm. She just received their first review from the law firm, very harsh review, meaning the person was told they were doing a bad job, lots of comments about their attitude, their drive and their focus, and just things that seemed like they were coming out of left field. The person was from a, I don't know, top five law school and didn't never been criticized like that, had good grades. And after several minutes, I asked the associate to stop talking because I knew exactly what was wrong. I knew that she was on the path to not getting an offer. And I asked her, how many hours are you billing? How hard are you working? And she said she'd been billing about 35 hours a week. And this is a warning sign, meaning if you're in a large law firm in a big city and working 35 hours a week in the summer, that's not they're going to hire, they're not going to be that impressed with that. And I, I asked her how assignments were handed out and a few other questions. And then I just basically said, get all the assignments you can that are not billable to firm clients, meaning you can just write down as many hours as you want, as long as you work on them. And you don't want to be unethical. And then for every non-billable assignment you get, just work. There's no tomorrow. Read as much as you can. Put Throw yourself into it. Stay in the library late. Build at least 70 hours a week for the next five weeks of your summer. Work weekends and whenever you get a chance. And, and that's all you need to do. Meaning you just need to throw yourself into the work and play the economic game and show them that if they hire you, they're going to get a product that is going to be 50% more efficient or 70% more efficient than a product that's billing 40 hours a week. That's all you need to do. And at the end of the summer, out of 18 summer associates, this was in a bad year. This was a long time ago. I think this was like 2009 or 10 when the market was really slow. She was one of five people to get an offer out of 18 people. And at the end of the summer, all she got was glowing praise. She was praised for her attitude, her work ethic. People liked her all of a sudden. And... Um, and is this a sad commentary on the status of the legal profession? Were there other things she was doing when she billed more hours? I'm sure there were. She was probably working more hours and getting along better with people and things and impressing people with her interest in the subject matter. But she was taking that and making her job an obsession. In virtually every case where I've counseled attorneys in serious troubles with their law firm, I found that most of the time the problem is that they're just not billing enough hours and they're just not perceived as working hard enough. The number of hours they're billing by extension is about how much money talks about how much money the law firm's making off them. People that don't get offers in the summer, typically, the law firm believes that it's going to be difficult to get them to bill hours or they're not going to take it seriously. Or if they don't get offers as a summer associate, many times they're not working hard enough to get assignments. And it's just law firms take this very seriously. And, and this I wrote several years ago, but I wrote in one instance out of several placements I've made over the past three years, not one had ever been fired. And when I spoke to the firm about why the person had been fired, they complained about the fact that the associate frequently left the office 
office before 5.30. Law firms, when people are fired, it's almost always about something to do with hours, something to do with not working hard enough, something to do about enough FaceTime, something to do about, it's never about quality. It's, it can be sometimes about the quality of the work, but it's almost always about not working hard enough. This is just what it is. It's never, it's always, it seems like it's always that. A lot of times people are claiming and the law firm claiming they don't have enough work and that the partners aren't assigning work to them. When questioned closely, I often perceive that when these attorneys are given work, they're perceived as not working hard enough, meaning they're not billing enough hours, they're not thorough enough, they're not putting in the, enough drive, they're not getting things done in time, and they're not really going all out on their assignments. The assignments go to the people that are going to work the hardest and do the best job. And frankly, many times, if you bill a lot of hours, you will do a better job. And large law firms have clients willing to pay for it. So why wouldn't you? But partners are individually and as a group basically compensated based on the amount of work that the associates they assign work to do. And a lot of partners would much rather assign work to an associate who's going to work extremely hard in something and bill a lot of hours rather than an associate who can figure out a way to get the work done just as quickly and effectively. I can't go into enough detail about this, about how much you can mess up your career by by underworking matters that may deserve a lot of work. And you may call it a conspiracy, you may call it something else, but in a lot of law firms, you're really expected, especially law firms that have large clients willing to pay, you're really expected to bill a lot of time to things. And then often when I say warranted or not, they want you to go in and do very deep work and think about things. And they're going to reinforce that through bonuses that are given to the hardest work associates, those who build the most hours and, and more subtle ways. So if you're not billing a lot of hours and you're doing things in a way that's not full on and you're not enthusiastic and you're not excited about the work and you're not finding extra stuff to do, that's who's going to get the work. And any attorney working inside a law firm, if your perceived value, which is an associate or a law clerk, your perceived value can only come through the number of hours that you're billing. Why wouldn't you bill as many hours as you can? You have, you really have no choice. You have to bill as much work as you possibly can when you're a young associate. That's all you can do. That's the only thing you have to offer. And, and billing as much hours and then doing the best work you can. And the nice thing about having all this time is one thing I would say to you too, is if you're at a mid-sized to large law firm and you're worried about the fact that you have a lot of work, this work is a blessing because you're getting the opportunity to go deep and to be able to spot issues and to become a real expert in what you're doing. If you work in a firm that doesn't have a lot of a lot of opportunity and, and you're just expected to get through cases and stuff very quickly, you're not going to be the same quality of attorney as someone that's given a lot of work to do. You're going to be a much better attorney if you're given a lot of work. So this is really what they're looking for. They want The law firms want people that are willing to put in a lot of work and get things done and go into a lot of depth and become better attorneys. So it's just in the name of the game. I just want to make a final point too about getting a lot of work in large law firms because it is so important. Large law firms and even mid-sized law firms and places that have clients that are willing to pay for a lot of work, they win a lot more cases, especially up against smaller firms and things than the smaller firms a lot of times because they have more time to put into things. And so time is actually a blessing and having the time to be to build these hours is a blessing. But again, your values through the hours that you work. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites 
and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. The junior associate is very funny. A lot of times law firms will say things like, we don't make any money off our junior associates. You're a cost center, not a profit center. Most law firms will circulate some statement to that effect to to junior associates telling them that they're not making money off them and, and that they have to write off their time. And to some extent, there's some truth to that. And some law firms will write off their time. But most junior associates are just as profitable, but maybe not as profitable as mid-level to senior associates. And they're really, law clerks are important because they allow the law firm to see how hard they're going to work. And sometimes they can make some money off them. But the junior associate is really the core of the economic engine. There's a lot of reason for this, but the main reason is that clients really don't have a good understanding of the economic engine many times. The clients, whether they're large or small, they do look at the bills the firm send out. And this is an example of a small law firm where the law clerk, summer associate might be 140, the first year might be 170, the second year and so forth. And you can see uh, these billing rates and how they go up. And, and you can see here, the first year associate is much less, of course, than the partner. And in most law firms, partner actually is a much better deal for the client because the partner can figure out things much more quickly than the junior associate could. I had instances when I was like a law clerk or a junior associate where I could spend days trying to figure out some sort of legal problem, where if you give it to a really good partner, they could figure it out in 15 or 20 minutes of thought. And so a junior associate could literally work sometimes for days on a matter that a really good partner could figure out in 15 to 20 minutes. So what is the better deal? Obviously, the partner thinking about it. And if you're an associate with more than one year of experience in a large law firm, you start being aware of that because you see how quickly people can poke through problems and things. And I'm sure you've probably seen wherever firm you are, lots of associates working many hours in different assignments and more than they might need to for an existing assignment. And then the employment of junior associates by law firms obviously wouldn't make a lot of sense. If the junior associates are billing all this time, that other people can figure things out. But each year, they're hired. Lots of them are hired through summer associate and other classes and uh, to begin work on important legal matters for clients. And these associates all need a great deal of training to become effective at their work. And they're an excellent source of profits for law firms. And I'll tell you why. The reason is because from the point of view of the law firm and the client, when you hire a law firm, you're generally working for a partner and the partner will say, I'm going to figure out the most, this to the client, most efficient way to get the work done for you. And a lot of times there's little matters that they want to research and have analyzed. So partners will go and they'll spot all these issues that really aren't that crucial to the case, but they'll have associates go write memos and do research. And they'll generally say something to the client like, before we figure out what we're going to do, we best to get the answers to these questions. I could work on them. My billing rate's quite high. And so we'll have a junior associate do the work and their billing rate is less than half of what mine is and, and so forth. And then the junior associate goes out to work. And then the junior associate is based, is really their values based on how many hours. So they tend to have a lot of incentive to work hard in these matters, in these small matters, and they'll bill as many hours as they can to the 
product project, and then they may be asked to research questions. Sometimes things that would be nice to know the answers to, but spending ten or twenty thousand dollars researching a question that may not be that important. To the case is that necessary? Sometimes it isn't. But the junior associate may not have highly developed research skills. May spend a lot more time than necessary, and under the belief that the memo needs to be one hundred percent flawless, they have to spend a lot of time. You should, when you're writing any assignment, by the way, as a junior associate, you should write it and do whatever the assignment is, but then you should spend probably two to three times whatever it takes you to put this down on paper, making sure it's perfect before you give it to a partner, because then the partner may turn it over to the client. And, and you can't always just give the answer. You have to make it perfect. And that's the job. And then the partner may think of new issues they want the client to explore. They'll like it if you come up with ideas to do it. And so it's just an endless way to keep billing. And, and it's not necessarily that the partners do anything wrong. They're lining up all their ducks so they can understand it. But if clients are willing to pay for it, that's how it works. And when the bill's produced, the partner may have a, this kind of conversation. They'll say, I'm glad we used this junior associate to do the work. There turned out to be a lot more issues that we need to consider. We found this would save, this is going to save us all this time. I wanted to ensure that we did a good job. And just to make sure you're happy, I've reduced the junior associate's billable hours by 20%. I really appreciate you trusting us. And so this kind of conversation, I've heard it multiple times. Partners have had it with me for work that I've given them. It just happens probably thousands of times a day. The economics of the junior associate make a lot of sense from the law firm's perspective, especially if the junior associate knows how to play the game, which means billing a lot of hours, doing the work very thoroughly, very carefully checking your work, coming up with new questions that you can ask that could be answered and not and really taking these assignments as seriously as you possibly can, working as many hours as you can on the assignments to make them as good and can make a huge difference. And that's what you're paid to do as a junior associate. And so a junior associate could be given incredible and do incredible amounts of work and incredible amounts of research as the partner works the client up and tells them how important it is that they need to know all these answers, how this saved them from that and so forth. The more time the junior associate spends on an issue, the more money the law firm makes. And that's just how it works. And in the process, the law firm is able to train the junior associate on the client's dime. I've had discussions when I've gone to a law firm for different legal matters and the partners just said something like, how does, you know, do you think you can stomach $50,000 a month in legal fees for this? That's just the conversation. Like it's not even, they just, they figure that they can, regardless of, I'm thinking of a particular case that wasn't even that complex. So this is how the conversations go a lot of times. The law firms work for large clients that can afford to spend a lot of money in legal fees. They do work that's very thorough for those clients. Is there anything wrong with that? No, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that because because this is how, again, a lot of times the large law firms are able to beat the, the smaller law firms. It's by more training, but by more depth into the matters that they're working on and more understanding of the legal matters and just going in, into more depth. And again, I'm not saying that this is always right, but I'm saying it is the norm at most law firms and the ability to marshal large platoons of junior associates on various matters can be very effective and profitable for law firms. And so you just need to understand that your economic job as a junior associate is to get out there and to work as hard as you can on the matters to go into as much depth to learn about the law and to just go do whatever you can and turn in the most flawless work you can. And if the law firm can rely on you to produce a lot of work and hours and to find new jobs to be done, not only are you helping the big client win a matter, 
but you're also, I don't get the, the best edge of the matter, but you're also helping the partner that you're working for, partners get the results that she wants to get. And the reason I bring this up too, that's important is this is the whole gist of this and all these hours is how many times the best law firms are able to get the best results for their clients because they go deeper and deeper into matters. And by doing that, they're able to find solutions that people that aren't thorough don't do. And so is it necessary to bill incredible numbers of hours to certain matters like law firms do? Maybe not all the time, but at the same time, if you're a big company and you're doing a transaction for hundreds of millions of dollars, or the law firm can find you ways to save a lot of money on something, or you have the ability to do something else, then with your the client has the ability to pay for it, then it's okay. There's nothing wrong with this and you shouldn't worry about it. What you should do is provide as much value as you possibly can. So the next attorney is a mid-level associate. And after you get two to three years of experience as a law firm, you typically become a mid-level associate. What I consider a mid-level associate really is someone that has become competent in the work that they're doing. So after all this work and years of doing the kind of work that a junior associate does, you've learned a lot about the law. You've learned a lot about different cases and different ways to transactions and different ways to do things. You become more efficient and you're reaching the area where you can run deals and you can do things in a way that you understand. And if you speak with junior associates, a lot of times working in major law firms, they'll say things like, I'm just doing this for a year or two. And what happens a lot of times is attorneys will leave after becoming mid-level associates, because this is the time when it becomes much more difficult for law firms to hold on to them. And a lot of times they'll leave when they're mid-level associates because they're in the world, they're in the realm where they're actually expected to manage matters and to be competent lawyers and to do things in an effective way. And almost at the point after when you get to be three, four or five years of experience where you should be able to manage cases and transactions and have a good understanding. And you, you're also at a level where, where you're expected to be having the ability to talk to clients, where you're having the ability to understand the work that needs to be done in different matters. Your quality of legal work should be very good. They're very profitable to law firms. They fill a good niche for law firms. The reason junior middle level associates are profitable is because they can be given a lot of assignments that a partner could do. They can also be given, they can also delegate a lot of work to junior associates and they also can just explain matters to junior associates, which partners don't like to have to do to explain what people are trying to learn. So they pretty much know their way around. It's a good way to put it and they can be trusted. And so if the mid-level associate is good, they're also going to have the ability to gauge the amount of work that the partner needs from them, both from them and from the junior associate on a given matter. So they'll they'll be able to understand like how much work they need to put in. They'll be able to understand how the case needs to be staffed or the matter needs to be staffed. And at that point, they're usually competent enough to get most of the work done without asking a lot of questions. So it's people like giving work to people that just can run with it and know how to do things. And at that point, the mid-level associate is really a great thing for the partners to have because their billing rate is not as high. They know what they're Doing. They can run matters. They can explain things to junior associate. They can anticipate issues. And if they're good, their billing rate is also an issue that's not going to be as high as a senior associate or partners. And they also can give clients the appearance of being able to do work at a low cost. And that's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com. 